I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr Yum Split and Pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant. I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. Really sounds amazing. That's right. Mr Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum's Split and Pay is the better way to pay, and it's free until July 2023. Visit mryum.com. Welcome to another Principal of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We are straight-talking, ethically-minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. In one trip to the US many years ago, our next guest, Danny Zaney, visited more than 30 burger venues on his 34-day stay, and the idea for Royal Stacks began. Fast forward to 2016 and Danny opened his first Royal Stacks venue in Collins Street right in the centre of the Melbourne CBD and office sector. Since then, the Stacks kingdom has grown into a family of unique stores with three new stores that have opened in the last six to seven months, each bringing their own version of Royal Stacks magic. So I feel very lucky to have Danny on the podcast today. Hey Danny, how are you? Good buddy, thanks for having me. Uh, it is fantastic to have you on and you are... Absolutely killing it at the moment. Like you are burger royalty, as I've said to you many times in this fair city. So it's fantastic to have enough time uh, of yours to actually sit down and have this podcast together. Let's talk about, you know, how you start out in the burger game, in the hospitality game, because I know a lot of people know your story, but I think they're going to learn so much more about you as a person today. So how did you get started out? Well, um, we had a restaurant in Danlong. It was called the Danlong Pavilion, which was my heart and soul for a very, very long time. And I'd never been to the US before, went there for the first time, I think it was 2011, 2012, and came across the burger scene in the States, you know, which just blew my mind. So all my culinary training, all my food experience was always European previously. I don't think even US food was talked about at all. Mm. I didn't have experience it here, I didn't know what it was. So when I went there and came across all this incredible service and, and unbelievable burgers and seeing burgers in a restaurant environment, you know, tablecloths. Next you know, level. It was, you know, it was unreal. So we came back to, to the PAV and I said, we're, we're going to have a crack at doing burgers. And we did the burgers and the costs. Burgers were, you know, a lot cheaper than our menu. So I couldn't afford to have burgers as the mainstay or else, you know, the restaurant wouldn't survive. So we did a secret burger menu to muck around. It just took off from there. I want to talk about the secret burger menu in a second. But first, like, why did you start a restaurant in Dandenong? Like, I think a lot of your career, like you've you've built these amazing venues that are not just in CBD, obviously you do have CBD venues now, but starting out in the suburbs, like why was that important for you? Well, I'm from Dandenong. I had always worked in the CBD, so I worked at South Sierra, at Harvey's when that was had at Scusami, 
when the president of Italy was eating there. Wow. So I've always worked in and around the city, but then my uncle opened a restaurant, a La Paqueta restaurant in Warrigal, needed some help. And uh, at the time, you know, it was, it was probably good for me to get away from everything here. And I spent some time, two or three years with him and, you know, got to understand how to run a business from him properly. You know, I spent two or three years with him and it was, I thought I felt I was like I was ready to go on my own. I, he helped me save some money. Uh, he helped me invest in some property that gave me some money to purchase a restaurant. So I was very fortunate to spend some time with him and we still work together now at Brunswick. And then we just got to an agent and we're looking at stores and then, you know, the old keg site came on board. I had a look at it. Mm-hmm. It was R&Bs at the time, was run by accountants the restaurant was in such a poor condition. It was just ripped carpet, shit, yes. stunk, toilets were wrecked, staff couldn't give two shits. So, you know, you, you test. Mm. And we were able to get it for a, for a pretty good price. The rent was a little high. But, yeah, as soon as I walked in, my stomach just said, this is it. You, know, you could change it. This is the one. This is yeah, it. Yeah, this yeah. is rain, hail or shine, if I fall over, doesn't work, doesn't matter. This this is the one that I want. Because when did you start tended on Pavilion? What year was uh, that? 2006 okay. was the birth of the pavilion, but we had purchased that business in 2003 with the view to change, you know, so we ran it and then it was supposed to, 2005, we're supposed to do the renovations. That Christmas rush, I had a Christmas 2004, I had appendicitis. I pretty much worked with excruciating, I didn't know it was appendicitis, it was a pr- mm. that area of Christmas right. was oh, wild. Okay. So I worked through it all, got through Christmas Ended up in hospital on New Year's Eve, emergency <laughs> appendix <laughs> reversed. I was in the hospital for two weeks. Oh, wow. That was the end of that and the beginning of, of Pavilion, yeah. So what made you not do more Dandenong Pavilion sort of style venues and then start Royal Stacks? Because obviously Royal Stacks, you're at, how many sites do you have now? Is it six? six? Yeah. Oh, including the G, it's eight. It's eight. Okay, wow. Okay. So... Yeah, what made you sort of start the Royal Stacks brand and, and start that journey? The, the pavilion got too big and I was so emotionally and mentally invested. I was writing every, everything. like Yeah, you know, every I single was, docket that would go uh, out. Uh, writing, yeah. yeah, it was really tough. I yeah. didn't sleep. You know, the restaurant would be full. People everywhere. I couldn't get any satisfaction. I couldn't have no joy. It was just torture. It yeah. really was. It was. I was so invested. Everything was writing on it that I just... Didn't find time to enjoy it. And with burgers, with, with the secret menu, it was just something I was naturally good at. And in terms of what does that mean? It means, you know, putting together the burger menu, making it interesting, the monotony of the work, you mm-hmm. know, it suited me, you know. That's why, you know, I always say I've got an attention span of a goldfish, <laughs> you know. So part of the reason why I've been good at what I do is because I could forget yesterday's good and bad. Right. And I start the next day fresh. Yeah, right. So if I had a sh- shit day, just the next day, I just go, it's just like it's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Whether it was good or bad. So I don't really ride the highs or ride the lows. So yeah, with burgers, it was just something that I was found my way. I was naturally good at. I liked the culture. I loved the burger people that came and supported us early on. Yeah, I was just good at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. In terms of having a little chain, my main goal was with Pavilion was everyone said, you're only good because you're in Danong wasn't because it was good quality food or you know, the service was great. Everyone was just, in my mind, I guess I just the noise I heard was big fish in a small pond. So I think there was a little bit of fire inside me to say, okay, I want to know, is it true? So that's when, hence, we came with Royal Stacks in the city. And then the chain 
I think in myself personally, you could take me anywhere in the world, put me in any cuisine, with any team, in four walls of a restaurant, mm. and I'll make it work. I'm very confident in that because mm -hmm. I'm genuinely wanting to make people happy. And I know that in a restaurant, that's just the beginning and the end to me. But as a, you know, as a leader, as you know, a businessman, I'm very lacking. Yeah. And I think that's the journey that I want to be on to kind of grow myself in that area because I think everybody who wants to be good at something has to put, put themselves outside the comfort zone and grow there. So that's how Stax was born, to see can I mix it up with the best in Melbourne CBD or anywhere else or around the world, and can I run a corporation or a business? They're the two challenges I set for myself. How did you come up with the name and sort of the branding and go through that ideation stage? Well, you know, again, we're very fortunate to be working with so many incredible people and Chad Mann, who is our creative director and a big part of what we do and just a visionary and a genius and just, you know, I just sit there and we dust stuff, my jaw just drops and I just <laughs> think this guy's so good. Yeah. <laughs> you just come home and say, do you see what Chad did? And oh, that's me. So, yeah, really working with him and coming up with Royal Stacks, I did know early on that for me I wanted to have Australian vernacular in the title and Stacks. I think is mm. very Australian in, in many ways. Agree. And the juxtaposition of having Royal really reflects truly on the high-low dining that we do, the fast casual. It's all about eating well and don't have to be born into royalty or don't have to be blue blood or, or lineage or aristocratic to eat well. You would create our own kingdom that mm. would crown ourselves. Eating out and eating well is, in a way, rewarding yourself or, Lifting yourself, you know. So that's that's how Royal Stacks was born. What was the reaction when you opened up Collins Street for the first time? And also, was the secret burger menu from Dandenong, was that the first menu that you actually put into Royal Stacks or was it different? So with the secret burger menu, what, what I did is a few years I correlated different recipes, different bread recipes, different beef recipes, different sauce recipes, different combinations, the lettuce on the bottom or lettuce on the top or, or what sold well basically became Royal Stacks. Mm -hmm. I took snippets from that secret burger menu and put it together to make the Royal Stacks menu. And the response earlier was really overwhelming. It was extremely validating to know that I wasn't a fluke at the PAV. The space that we're in and the way we did it, six item menu, we didn't even have chicken. It was just five just beef, wow. one vegetarian. Okay. What was that? I didn't want to have the cross-contamination yeah, sure. I didn't want to have... I Actually, I didn't haven't had a chicken burger that I really liked. So I didn't have one that knocked my socks off. So that evolved later on. There's one ingredient that made it all different for me. We had a six-item menu. No, you're not even chicken. And it was incredible. The response was overwhelming. And we were able to execute. And the team really stood up. And it was wild. How did you get that early response that was so big. Was that, a, was that a case of really good marketing? Was that a case of a lot of people from Dandenong knowing you? How did that actually happen? Because you seem to be the legend who can open a store with so much excitement and joy in every single location you do. Like, how did you do that with Collins Street? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, look, I can't take any credit for it, to be honest. It's the right place at the right time. Yeah, right. All right. I do know a few things. And one of those things is I love to open a, a restaurant where it has no business in being. So the Danon Pavilion had no business being of that size, mm. of that calibre in Danong. That decor, that 
effort. It had no business. Same with Trailer Park. Had no business being in that position on that city on top of it. You walk in like it just... And same with Easy's, you know, very fortunate to work with Jimmy there. Having a, an original Hitachi train on top of a building has no business being there. And they're doing a great job. It's still going great over there. Yep. So I knew that if you put something that had no business. So that restaurant had no business being that grand. Had like a New York entry, high ceilings, yeah. steel frame windows. It was really grand entry. It had no business being there. So I know how to do that. I know that. I believe in that strongly. And I try to kind of incorporate that in all the openings and again, it was just the right place at the right time. It was an explosion. The talk about burgers was huge. You know, we had some predecessors who paved the way for a brand like mine. Huxley Burgers won. But I think for me, the bigger player was 8-Bit. 8-Bit was the first restaurant that I went to and said, holy fuck, shit, I'm yeah. jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Footscray. Yeah. In Footscray. Yeah. I thought they nailed it in so many levels in terms of the concept, putting it together. So Shane Nair's done, I think, an incredible job. So that was, to me, was the first one. So they, they were the predecessors, and I think it was just the right time, simple as that. How did you grow the brand? Because obviously you went, so you went Collins Street first, and then you went Brunswick? Brunswick, yep. Okay, and Brunswick is a different concept as well. Yep, so Brunswick is, is 100% halal, you know, there's no alcohol, no pork on site, um, no, so the bacon's a beef bacon. With Brunswick, again, how it was different was, at the time, I just, you know, Seeing all the halal restaurants was like, you know, just having that fluoro halal <laughs> LED <laughs> sign, you know, coming yep. in the stereotype, you know, hey, brother, come, come, you know, like, so we didn't really have, and if you go to Dubai, like, it's just like normal dining. So I kind of tried to incorporate that with Stacks at Brunswick, and the re- response there was great because for the community there, without being so on the nose, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted for that. That was the second one, and that was the idea behind that one. And then you just gradually grew it out, really, didn't you? Well, you know, stupidly, we made some mistakes, you know. So those we happened four in eight months. We had the personnel, we had the manpower, because we, we borrowed from all the other stores. You know, Chatswood, Sydney was a very big learning curve. Sharks were circling. And because I was used to big leases, I, wasn't, I didn't have no fear. Yep. And that was the biggest lesson. I'm glad I learned that lesson early, because mm. that really bit me in the ass. And then mm. Chadston... Couldn't say no to, to Chadston, you know? Yeah. So there were opportunities. And then after that, I didn't open a restaurant in Melbourne for five years. Wow. Mm. Was it that long? Yeah. That's how long it took to lick my wounds from... Yeah, from Chadston. From, from, oh, Chatswood, from Chatswood, Chatswood and yep. get over that, get the fire in the belly again. How do you handle so many different formats of the brand? Because if you go from Collins Street, it's probably a more normal style, fast casual kind of concept... Brunswick is obviously different with its menu. Chadston, you've got a food court environment. Moorabbin's probably that fast casual concept again, but then you've just opened the MCG. How do you handle that as an owner-operator, like looking at these different concepts and having different teams in there? Well, then, again, we talk about having the attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> you just forget and you do it? I, no, I literally have to do it to keep myself interested. Yeah, right. Like I have to, it has to be. Has to be new. Has to be new and emotionally, mentally challenging or else I will literally forget it and walk away. So I mean that sincerely. I yeah, mean yeah, like yeah. I would literally not go there mm-hmm. if it's not something that my brain has to figure out. So yeah, has to, for me personally, has to have something different mm-hmm. or has to be challenging in some way or it has to be a puzzle I have to figure out mm-hmm. or else I can't. 
be invested emotionally or mentally. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Uh, it definitely does. Makes a lot of sense, actually. We've talked a lot, you know, offline about your team. Obviously, I know Chef Terry well as well. How do you keep them excited and engaged and along the journey with you? Because you've got you've got a team who's been around, like some solid team members who have been around you for a long time. Like, and they're important to obviously how you're growing this brand. How do you keep them entertained and excited and engaged? Well, I think Terry, Terry and I are very similar in so many ways, and so fortunate that our journeys are aligned. Again, she's probably like me, like a memory of a goldfish. <laughs> like, you know. But yeah, I mean, Terry's just been incredible. Um, you know, we wouldn't be anywhere without Chef Terry. I'm the type of person, like, if I have someone standing next to me, I can go that other end. Mm-hmm. I, I need something to work for, someone to work with, a goal to achieve that way. So I'm very fortunate. And I also made some, a lot of, as a leader, made a lot of errors with managing staff. You know, for me, I like to put my putting my leaders in the mud. I like to put them in the shit, and I like to kind of give them the opportunity to figure it out. And then once I've when they've they've steeled, they've seen the uh, the nuances of the business, the negatives. Then I think I could they'll understand me. Sure, Terry understands me because she's yeah. there. Thomas, who's come on board last couple of years, who's done an incredible job, and I couldn't couldn't operate right now without him. He's been phenomenal for us. So I wouldn't say it's me but other than emotionally and mentally we're aligned as people and they do believe in the brand and believe in me yeah that's all i need to keep going that sort of style of training like the sort of deep in the weeds kind of style and sort of let let them kind of figure it out and feel that challenge or feel that tension has that allowed you because what i've noticed with you is when whenever you're in venue like you can obviously do everything and you do do everything, but you're very much like the cream on a cake. Like you're like the extra bit of excitement in the venue when I walk into one of your stores. So do you think allowing your staff to be in the weeds and learn from experience allows you to come out and then be that person a lot more? I think maybe. But yeah. for me what it means like is I know that I could believe that they could stand up when the time comes. And they also believe in themselves that they can stand up when the time comes. Yeah. If I don't make them a little better than each every day or, you know, whether our journey stays together or they, our journey parts and they're not, they're not better for it, then I don't think I've, been, I've done a good job. In terms of the excitement, man, that's just me. I think that's another reason why I, I said if you could put me in four walls in your restaurant, then I'm going to be right. Because it's just me, like... I'm actually excited you're coming in because it's not it's like a puppy. <laughs> it's true. Like, that's how it is. It's, yeah, not, I'm not, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not fake. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I have that. Tr- I'm lucky that you know. So I'm saying, I fall into this industry like God's put this in path in front of me because it suits me. You know, it's just me. Mm-hmm. So actually, only comfortable like that in the restaurant. Outside, it, I'm not really like that. Okay, is that because you built Royal Stacks, so therefore that's your comfort kind of level? If I'm working for a company, I will be like that. If I'm in a restaurant, I will be like that. I enjoy the process, the banter, the vibe, the energy. I'm an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, like yep. I love the adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Depression from COVID was there was no it was takeaway. It was delivery. Like, it's yeah. not the same, you know. Mm. I feed off the energy of the kids that we work with. I tell them, "You're here. I need your energy. I need to feed me." You know, that's the process for me. It's not really that. It's just that I'm like that all the time. You know. Yeah. Where does that sort of deep care and 
appreciation of your team come from as a business owner? Like for you to be around your team so much and really deeply care about them and actually say on a podcast that like it's really important that they stay with you, but like if they don't, like that's okay as well. Like where does that come from as a leader? Is that something that's has always been part of how you roll? Well, I'm the type of person that hates to be trapped. I don't like to be pinned down in any way at all. It feels very uncomfortable, very claustrophobic. I very str- I struggle with it. You know, it's like you know having responsibilities. You know, it took me a while to to adjust. So, with my team and with the younger kids, the casuals, I, th- I kind of guess take a bit of that emotion and put it. I hate for these kids to think they have to come to work. Mm. So even when we structure the roster. And we hire, you know, I don't say, okay, you're working Wednesday, you're working Saturday. I don't ever do that. I say, please, you tell me where it sits with you. I will work. So, okay, you can only work Tuesday, Thursday. I will hire someone to do, you know, the Saturday and the Sunday. You know what I mean? And that feeling comes from me being trapped. And I think as humans, especially with the kids, like if they're pinned or they feel the responsibility, it's no longer fun. So with my, my leadership team, if they're not enjoying it, I would rather them move on and me get somebody else. Because the last thing I want to do is I'm gonna stick, someone to stick around is not happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I just seriously don't want that mm. at all. I always ask, are you happy? Do you need anything? Do you want something, you know, because of that reason. And I think some people get it, right? And the people, the staff that get it, we're, there to, we're together forever. Mm-hmm. Some people won't get it and they'll be found out pretty quickly. They won't be part of the team. Mm. And I think you need to have the confidence in each other to move forward at the rate that we're moving in, right? Yeah, of course. Do some staff get surprised by that mentality? Is like, well, you can only work these days and then I'm going to build people around you? Because that's very different and that's very unique and great as a boss to say, okay, well, if you can only work these particular days, then we're going to build it around you because you're here. Look, what We're taking pleasure in you working for us as well as hopefully you enjoying it as well. I don't know. I really don't. I haven't stopped to think about that. Mm. But again, it's just a puzzle. And I'm just looking for me. If I had to work every weekend and I had to, you know, go to work, I'm like, I'd hate that. So that's what I'm trying to avoid with the kids. I'm just trying to say, okay, can you please, you know, when I do the hiring now, like yesterday we hired someone and said, look, what day is you available? What would you do? Mm-hmm. One re- prerequisite is one day a weekend. Okay. All right. So one Saturday. Yeah. Mm. And I also say, you know, if you, I also tell the kids, like, I, ho- I hope you guys go and get fucked up and have a huge weekend. <laughs> Just tell me, guys. Yes. I'll be gladly happy. Danny, next weekend is a festival. I'm not here Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm recovering Tuesday. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Go have fun. Tell me about it when you come back. Yes. You know, what I'm trying to avoid is the pressure of and the responsibility of they feel so constricted to not be honest with me, so they'll call in sick at the last minute mm-hmm. because of that pressure, and they don't know how to let me down nicely. So they just, you know, fuck, I'm not coming to work today. Yeah. Um. And I hope they appreciate. It. I think they do. Yeah. No, it shows for sure. Let's talk about menu and how you've developed the menu. I think, especially with a menu like yours, which is so symbolic and so many people love. How do you actually develop? new parts of the menu but make sure that the menu sort of you know doesn't blow out so it's too big and maybe too confusing now well i think keeping it simple is the most important 
in so many ways. So a lot of the back-end stuff is very, very complicated. So I don't want to go into too much detail to re- reveal all my secrets. Sure. <laughs> but the menu needs to be profitable mm. and it needs to be easy for the staff, mm-hmm. not the other way around in terms of you know making it complicated for the staff to be profitable. So that's w- really, really important for me. And then I look at every menu item as a character. What are they trying to achieve? Who are they? What are they about? Can they resonate with people? I also really love wordplay. Uh, I love, you know, the current special, you know, Dan on Grandma. Just seeing people walk up and then point and they just start, for their mate, start laughing. Like <laughs> immediately, just that stuff makes me smile to no end. I can't even tell you. Yeah. So I think it needs to be interesting on top of being extremely flavorful, mm-hmm. fresh. Um, we follow all the traditional values that have been upheld for centuries by so many cultures. Mm-hmm. Just fresh. It's as simple as that. And you could taste it, you could feel it, you could smell it. Your body, your DNA, holistically, spiritually, if you're into that stuff, it's, it, it knows. Yeah, for sure. So that's really important. You're growing so quickly, you know, at the moment, you've got really different fit-outs in every one of the venues. Like, I've loved what you've done with Emporium, for example, recently. What is the next stage for what you're doing now? You're at eight sites. What's the next stage for Raw Stacks? Well, we've got a... F- I think we've got three or four more in the pipelines this year, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for at least two years. A lot of these things, ones that we've taken on now, have just come through opportunity. Yep. And we've put ourselves in a very difficult position. (laughs) To execute them all. To execute them all. And there's a lot of pressure on everybody, and it can go south, and there's opportunity to go south, Mm -hmm. and I'm prepared mentally, emotionally for it. My main goal for Royal Stacks is to be culturally relevant in Melbourne. That's my only objective. That's the only thing that I want. If you want to talk legacy, that's the only thing that I can concern about. And and what I mean by that is, you know, if you go to New York, it's Shake Shack. If you go to LA, it's In and Out. You come to Melbourne, it's Royal Stacks. Yep. So I need some footprint, I think, to be able to accomplish that. I realised that uh, over the last couple of years of COVID and deep thinking and what do I, what am I doing and what am I doing this for? What what's my purpose? What's my goal? My goal is to be culturally relevant with burgers in Melbourne and I think that would be pretty incredible if I could achieve that. I agree. How do you know as a founder that you are culturally relevant? Because you get lots of sporting players who who come into the venues and all that kind of stuff. I know that's really important, especially with basketball and um, and those kind of things. I noticed that Coolio was at <laughs> and then got on radio moment, and said how yeah. much he loved Rural Stacks. I mean... That's incredible. When do you know and feel content in a way that you are culturally relevant? Or does it never stop? It's a really good question. I mean, it was pretty crazy walking up to the kitchen and saying, Terry, Julio wants a bacon bacon, you know? <laughs> that was wild. And then, yeah, he just absolutely came to the kitchen and he just he genuinely liked it and told yeah, me the staff, wow. it was fucking, this is really great. Man. Yeah, yeah. Culturally relevant, what would that mean to me? I think culturally re- relevant would mean that this business would perform without me. Okay. So right now, so much heavy lifting behind the scenes. There's so much stuff that I'm doing that has to be done to keep these businesses afloat. Mm. The moment I don't have to do anything and the business is performing, then I'll know it's culturally relevant. Mm. 
how are you thinking about growth moving forward? Obviously, the challenge at the moment is stuff. Like, how are you how are you thinking about growing the brand in this kind of environment? I mean, it's not a concern for me to be honest. It's not a thought process. It was just pure. These stores were pure opportunities. I had to take. It was like Godfather offers. I had to take them. Whereas, yeah, I know inside my stomach, I'll be fucking burning if I didn't do it. Yeah, and I just thought, you know what, just do it, and let's just work it out. One thing that I'm exploring now is franchising and the idea behind franchising, which was appealing, was I think with my hospitality system and my burger building system that I've, uh, you know, I guess, adapted, um, I just need one strong individual inside the venue that cares and I really cares about their staff, about the brand, about the customers, about the appearance of the venue and I think we've we got the rest, I believe. And it would also, again, push me as a leader to be better, be better systemized. I will be accountable to the franchisees in many ways. And it's a ch- and, and if I'm capping at a small amount just to see if it's something that I want to do and I'm capable of delivering for them. From that perspective, I'm thinking Royal Stacks sh- should be a 15 to 20 store Victorian enterprise. I have no interest or passion or I can't see any value for me personally, anything beyond that. Fair enough. I think it's gonna, I think it's good at the moment that you're testing so many different types of the concept mm. and the fact that you can you can feel really confident as a franchise franchisor mm-hmm. talking to a franchisee that you've been there, done that, you know the process, mm-hmm. right? Like it's so refreshing to see that with so many franchisors that test new versions of their of their brand on their franchisee, unfortunately. So I think that's a really positive thing of what you're doing. I really respect you for that. Danny, my last question to you is like, outside of all these openings that you're going to do this year and the growth that you've got, outside of the brand, like what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? I'm looking forward to the day off. I'm looking forward <laughs> to spend some time with my wife, kids. That's that's definitely the most – a holiday is something that we all really want to do. Do you know where you want to go next, holiday-wise? Kids want to go to Hawaii. Oh yeah, amazing! It just starts and ends in Hawaii for the kids. <laughs> so I'd love to the opportunity to take some time, spend some time with them. I mean, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, 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 very excited that perfecting the systems at MCG. Just seeing walking around the MCG over the weekend, I was working, sweating, top to bottom. Was working on the grills and the fries. It was incredible. And then you know, at the end, walking around, seeing people walking around, sitting in the seats with you know. Actual raw stacks branding and burger. Yeah. It was wild. That must have been an amazing moment for you. It was. It was incredible. Incredible. Incredible moment. Kind of like I felt like we belong, but also I have a lot of responsibility now to ensure that, you know, the faith that the MCG, Delaware North are putting us, that we deliver and also to the, to the fans, you know. We've had a tough two years collectively, Victorians. It's been really, really hard as a possible people around the world you know the mcg lost the grand final last year mm. we didn't have it yeah you know? last two years right? last two years there you yeah. go we didn't have a grand final like we're back i'm so fortunate to be part of it and i really want to just i just don't want to be the best i want to blow people's minds when they're having a burger like you know going having a burger at the footy yeah i want to be the best at that yes i can do that i believe we can do that if we work hard at it that to me having a burger on grand final day mm. when we got all that sorted. Mm-hmm. That to me, I could I've envisaged it. I've seen it. So that's second to the family holiday. Yep. That's what I'm looking forward to. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's so obvious from an outsider looking in, like you just deliver an incredible experience. No matter where you put the brand, it's all about the experience and the burger is just the outlet for that. But really it's just about the experience that you can provide. So that's why, you know, I, I respect you so much, Danny. Thank like you. it's really, really good. Thanks. We're trying. We are really trying. We mm. don't get it all right all the time, but we are genuinely trying. No, you show up. And I love that. Danny, so many people are going to, you know, be interested in Rural Stacks after listening to this. Um, maybe want to, you know, engage with you about a franchise or, or talk about working with you. What's the best way that people can find out more about Rural Stacks? I guess you could just email me at dani at zfh.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't email call me for the next two months. Wait till we have all that. Yes. Come, I'm, I'm usually at Collins Street store. Mm-hmm. Come say hello. We'd love to have a chat. Cool. We'll link that on the show notes of this podcast as well as the website so you can check it out. If you don't know Rural Stacks, you definitely should. Danny, thanks so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. Danny is an absolute gentleman and legend of this industry. So I think you would have really learned a lot if you're thinking about your brand in this space. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. As always, we're making this content with the industry in mind, so we really appreciate you sharing it along. In the next couple of episodes as well, you hear some different voices other than mine, so uh, we'd really love to hear your feedback on that too. If you don't know, I suppose, Sash, my co-founder, has Principal Design, one of the best design agencies in Australia. You can find them at principaldesign.com.au myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with systems and processes. We're also doing a lot of stuff with tech stacks at the moment, which is really great. And also some new venues that are happening around Victoria. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr. Yum Split in Pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant. I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. It really sounds amazing. That's right. Mr. Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum's Split in Pay is the better way to pay and it's free until July 2023. Visit mryum.com.